You're listening to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract, the official podcast of the Journal of Addiction Medicine. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract is produced for your enjoyment and is focused on the latest journal-published research and science in the field of addiction medicine. Remember to add us to your favorites in iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at ASAMorg and Facebook. Now, let's go beyond the abstract. Hello and welcome to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract. I'm your host, Dr. Sean McNeil, and today we're joined by Dr. Michael Insa. He's a primary care and addiction medicine physician and an associate professor at the University of Utah. So Dr. Insa, thank you for joining us. And I would like to begin, as we typically do, by having you describe your journey um, into becoming an addiction medicine clinician and you know just how you found yourself practicing in this field. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, well, I uh, my interest in working with uh, people with substance use disorders really goes back to medical school. I, I went to med school at UC Davis and just had this amazing experience as a student helping to... Um, you know, it was play, playing a small part in running a harm reduction uh, focused medical clinic that provided free medical care and substance use disorder assessment and treatment and really harm reduction counseling um, to people who use drugs um, in the, the local area. And I just, um, you know, got amazing mentorship there and uh, really just grew to love working with the people uh, that would come to the clinic week in and week out. Um, who, you know, showed up to take care of their health despite tremendous adversity and barriers to accessing medical care. And then I went uh, as a resident, was um, in San Francisco at UCSF, and I got to do more work doing kind of street medicine outreach um, and uh, just working with some of the, you know, luminaries in uh, terms of substance use disorder treatment and, you know, just making substance use disorder treatment more um, accessible to vulnerable populations that worked there. So, I really um, was lucky to get great teaching that kind of nurtured my any interest there. And uh, since I've been at the University of Utah, I've kind of hit the ground running and, and also have uh, fantastic mentors and colleagues here uh, that inspire me daily. Very good. So this paper you've written discussed increasing the delivery of addiction treatment, specifically for opioid use disorder, in the primary care setting. Now, first of all, what gave you this idea? And second of all, um, what benefits are there to delivering this care in the primary care setting? Um, that's a great question. And, and I, uh, you know, my my sort of first love in medicine is primary care. I'm a, I'm a general internist and I just, yeah, really love uh, primary care. And I just feel like there are so many great tie-ins between uh, the attributes of a good primary care doctor and, and just sort of the structure of uh, contemporary primary care and what it takes to provide um, good opioid use disorder treatment. You know, so from a patient perspective, I think uh, one of the things that came up in our interviews uh, was that people just really loved, um, A, developing a longitudinal trusting relationship uh, with somebody that they feel like they could open up to and build trust in. Uh, over time, and, and not just one person really, but like a, a clinical team, you know, so the front desk staff and the nurses that work in our clinic and the medical assistants and the social workers, you know, over time, uh, patients really developed 
a relationship with the, the whole uh, care team. And, and I feel like that was a lot different than the sort of quote unquote revolving door that they've experienced, you know, maybe accessing care and acute care settings like the emergency room uh, or urgent cares, or even like substance use disorder treatment programs. And the other big thing is just, you know, being able to feel like substance use disorder is just like one aspect of their overall health and not just this separate defining characteristic, you know, that oftentimes is kind of imbued with stigma and, and shame and things like that. So uh, there was just a lot of feedback that we've gotten about how, hey, you know, let's talk about this for some portion of our medical visit, but how about, you know, your healthcare maintenance and your vaccines and how about, you know, the diabetes that you also have or your blood pressure that, you know, nobody's addressed in 15 years. They've just sort of told you that you have it and not done anything about it, you know. So I think patients appreciate that. And I think, you know, from a provider perspective, there's just, uh, you know, in primary care, we care for a lot of chronic disease, right? And, and not much of it gets better. <laughs> you know, we manage it, but uh, it's hard to see, improve, you know, like major quality of life improvements, you know, in the uh, managing diabetes or, you know, um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or things like that, heart failure. Um, I feel like people with substance use disorders, you know, certainly there's challenges and certainly um, there is, you know, some uh, uh, the full range of emotions, including a lot of sadness sometimes when things don't go well. Uh, but I also think that like, you know, people get better quickly and accumulate, you know, just like experience tremendous, you know, functional and quality of life gains uh, that you just get to celebrate. And so I think primary care doctors don't get a lot of that <laughs> in their day. Uh, and I just, yeah. So when I talk to PCPs who initially are reticent about providing addiction treatment or OUD care and who start to dabble a little bit, I just find that, yeah, they really love it, <laughs> you know, and the same skills that, you know, lead to good primary care, which is humility, you know, a spirit of inquiry, um, curiosity really lend themselves to good uh, addiction treatment too. All right. And do you feel like coupling these services, you know, primary care with addiction treatment, do you feel like this increases the overall health of this population? I do. I, I truly uh, believe that. And, you know, there's just, there is another aspect of it, which is just that, you know, we have huge deficits in OUD in particular, but substance use disorder treatment in general uh, in, you know, this country. And I just feel like primary care is kind of like the sleeping giant, you, you know, like we there's, it has such a vast reach and such skillful clinicians. Um, but, you know, the most cited study on this, I think, says that, you know, as few as 10% of PCPs uh, prescribe medications for opioid use disorder. And, you know, that's something that I really think could greatly expand access to treatment if we were able to just build OUD care into like more of a routine part of um, primary care. Okay. Now, do you feel like there were any barriers that the subjects in this study experienced throughout the course of receiving their treatment that were unique to this population? Yeah, <laughs> lots of them. And I think part of the reason that primary care is, is great and that like having an interdisciplinary care team and not just a single provider is important is that, you know, you do your best to overcome those barriers. Um, for example, you know, people don't show up for appointments because, you know, their transportation fell through um, or they didn't have money for the bus or they have competing responsibilities that they didn't realize. And, um, you know, I think in a 
some primary care environments, uh, and many really, it's just like, yeah, the schedules are packed, and if you miss your appointment, well, boy, you're kind of out of luck, you know, good luck, our next opening is with somebody else in like three weeks. So I think having a kind of like an interdisciplinary team in primary care and really getting everyone involved, the clinical pharmacists, the care managers, you know, like a kind of a modern primary care team is really important because uh, it really allowed us to kind of like quickly swoop in, you know, reach out to the patients, switch their visit to a virtual one if they needed one, or, uh, you know, just like arrange for rapid access to care to prevent people from falling through the cracks. Okay. And did you ever contemplate integrating these services into other types of clinics, like infectious disease or perhaps like a mental health clinic? Yeah, definitely. Well, I feel like, you know, for mental health, I think there have been kind of carve-out clinics within psychiatry for substance use disorder for some time, and and we have those at our university, and those exist. And I do think better integration, uh, you know, there, there seems to be sometimes, it just anecdotally based on my solitary experience, a little bit of a dividing line between the kind of like addiction psychiatry and addiction medicine worlds. But um, I think that certainly they do great work. And then, um, and then in terms of like a other specialty clinics, yeah, we work together with um, our infectious disease colleagues, and uh, you know we have a collaboration with our pulmonary hypertension clinic uh, to sort of like share care with them. You know, hepatology uh, in terms of people you know who are on the like liver transplant list, for example, um, who need additional support uh, with substance use uh, treatment. I think those are all great partnerships because those patients all need primary care too. You know. All right. So the next question I had was about the study itself. Um, I believe there were 21 uh, subjects initially, and I think 14 of them finished the entire process, including the final interview. Um, It does look like some of them had some comorbidities, so it probably benefited them to be seen by primary care. So with this improved engagement in care, were there indications that they were better treated than patients not seen in a primary care setting? You know, I would say uh, that primary care may not be like the right environment for every single person uh, with a substance use disorder, right? They, they, they exist on a spectrum. And, you know, we do have people, for example, that um, benefit from like residential treatment for a little while just because perhaps their needs uh, surpass what we can offer like in a primary care infrastructure where we're not able to necessarily like see people for an hour every day, you know, Um or like an intensive outpatient program, or um, sometimes patients who really just truly face just tremendous barriers to accessing uh, primary care, where you, you still do need to, you know, somewhat be able to show up at a, a specific time for an appointment. I mean, we have a lot of flexibility in our clinic for that, but you know, it's we don't operate on a totally like a walk-in basis. So having other options in the community that can accommodate folks, you know, mobile vans and. Uh, like clinics with better walk-in availability that are co-located with other services that people that face barriers to accessing care use. Those are all like important parts of kind of a comprehensive approach to making sure people get care. And and then you can certainly like push in primary care services to things like opioid treatment programs, you know, where people go every day um, or frequently at least to dose methadone. Why not integrate primary care services there too? So I think there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but I think Either way you add it up, you know, integrating regular medical care um, with substance use disorder treatment is hugely helpful, you know, and uh, 
not feeling like, you know, when a patient comes to to show up to get their health care that they have to say, well, you know, you can where they where they hear something like you can get this aspect of your health care treated here, but not these other aspects. You're going to have to make another appointment and go somewhere else for that. You know, oftentimes I think that just doesn't happen, you know, so good. So it looks like the main services that they received were uh, primarily medication management. Um, did you contemplate adding other services like counseling into their treatment regimen? Yeah, we, uh, you know, since we wrote this paper, we've started, uh, you know, group visits and integrated uh, peer support services uh, and, um, you know, a contingency management program into our clinic. So there's lots of different things to do, you know, and, and certainly medications are important and, you know, probably the most evidence-based treatment we have for opioid use disorder Um but, you know, that doesn't mean that it's not good to offer a range of services to folks. And, you know, we have some patients that just, uh, just you know, ardently, like, look forward to our group, <laughs> you know. And um, our peer support specialists, you know, our peer navigators are just, like, incredible. And, yeah, we're really grateful to have, uh, like, multiple disciplines. You know, we have a essentially, like, a, a nurse-led program now, you know, based on kind of a Boston Medical Center approach. And so I just really believe... Um, you know, that having, like, leveraging all disciplines within primary care is really, like, how you harness the true power of primary care to help patients, you know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty curious, too, what your anecdotal feedback was from some of the study participants, um, particularly in regards to how they enjoyed the team-based model and the integrated services. Yeah, it is one of our, um, it was one of our, like, themes that we talk about in the study. Um, and so, yeah, just to, like, just since I have the paper in front of me, I'll just read a quote. Um, you know, I, it's the, the participant said, I just feel like whatever issues are going on, they're all working together to help me do better with my diabetes and the addiction itself. So it's nice to have them, even when I'm not there, they're talking to each other how to solve issues and get stuff done. Um, you know, and in our particular clinic, just sort of by chance, we um, are we are co-located with um, endocrinology. We sort of like share a clinic hallway. And so for this particular person that, um, you know, needed perhaps specialist support for diabetes or, you know, anybody that would need that specialist support, um, it's even like extra convenient to even have the specialists <laughs> co-located in a lot of patient center medical homes and, you know, even FQHCs uh, like have, have more integrated specialty care now, especially like mental health care. And so, um, I, I do think that's that's awesome. That's like the ultimate, right? <laughs> when not only can their primary care team coordinate with each other, but also uh, when they can be on the same page with um, any specialists they may need to see and and things like that. So I do I do think that team-based care matters a lot. And yeah, shout out to you know our um, medical assistants and nurse care managers and clinical pharmacists who really like work so hard. They're like the glue that holds the care that we provide together because. You know, when patients don't show up for an appointment or something happens and they fall out of care, it's like instantly we have people calling them and, um, you know, really like trying to do outreach and trying to like loop them back in and do some, you know, sort of contingency planning. And, you know, I, I should just point out, like none of these folks were especially hired to do this or have any like addiction training. I mean, I, I'm uh, addiction medicine certified, but but none of our interdisciplinary staff are. They just do this. They, they just work in our primary care clinic and have really like taken this on to uh, provide excellent care to this, to this group, you know? 
All right. Well, this is good. Uh, and that's uh, all the prepared questions that I had. I do want to ask is if there's anything else that you wanted to bring up that might be helpful to our listeners. Yeah, I, I guess if I just had one other thing to add, it would just be, you know, that um, a lot of PCPs uh, are initially reticent to uh, adopt uh, addiction treatment or OUD treatment um, into their, you know, scope of practice. And I get it, you know, like many of them have never received any training on how to do this. Primary care physicians are already, you know, overworked and, um, you know, really subject to inbox management that never stops and, uh, you know, can just feel like one more thing. Um, and so I think, you know, for people who may be listening to this podcast who probably are already, you know, addiction medicine trained, addiction medicine uh, enthusiastic at least, um, just really being there as mentors for your colleagues and, you know, encouraging them to, to you know, rather than refer that addiction treatment out, you know, to really work with, you know, local mentors and local champions to start treating patients, even just, you know, one by one. Um, I just feel like almost every single time, I would say every time personally, um, I've seen that happen. You know, the, the PCPs and the patients have both really uh, been so happy that they, they made that choice to, to do that care together. So really enthusiastic about more PCPs doing this work. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion. Thank you for your insights um, into the work that you've been doing. And thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you for a great interview and for having me and allowing me to talk about this. Dr. Insa's article can be found in the July-August 2023 issue of the Journal of Addiction Medicine. Thank you for listening. This ends today's podcast. Thank you for listening to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract. All of today's show links can be found in the show notes. Remember, you can preview additional abstracts at journalofaddictionmedicine.com. This program was produced by the American Society of Addiction Medicine.